On today's episode of Letterman Jacket, I'm joined by Garen Emig. We're both in San Antonio. We're talking Seth Luttrell's press conference, talking Jackson Arnold's first start and all things Sooners Alamo Bowl. But first, a word from our sponsors on the Letterman Jacket podcast, Rose Hill Builders, the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum, Oklahoma Ford Dealers, Our Blood Institute, and Bob Moore Auto Group, and of course, our friends at Fire Lake. Citizen Potawatomi Nation is more than 75 positions available one of its many businesses go to firelakejobs.com to find out more and join the team we're back back for another episode of letterman jacket the 31st episode of the letterman jacket and an alamo bowl special from san antonio with garen emig with yours truly eli letterman we are cutting it up just post christmas we made our travels today and now we are in san antonio i should have looked up like the city nickname it's not the big friendly it's not the Big Apple or the Crescent City. Garen, do you know what the what, what San Antonio is known as? Is it not just oh, uh, the Alamo, Alamo City? City? Yeah. See, that's what a long day of travel will do. That there you go, and we're off to a rocky I mean, start here. That's bad. That's embarrassing. Give you, we'll, give, we'll give you that mulligan. Am I allowed to walk we'll out on the mulligan. river? Well, <laughs> I don't know if I can show my face on the river walk after. I've only seen the Alamo no. City about six different times since we've landed here earlier today. Um, <laughs> we are recording. We are recording on this is Tuesday, correct? Tuesday evening. We just got back from Maybe. the Alamo Dome. It's Tuesday. It is. The holidays are throwing everybody off. But it is Tuesday evening. We just got back from the Alamo Dome and we're recording in between uh, Seth Luttrell. Really, I, you know, I call it Seth Luttrell's presser. Joe John Finley was up there. Ted Roof was up there, a select group of players. Um, but this was Seth Luttrell's first time speaking since his promotion. Uh, and so we're speaking after that. Tomorrow, we're going to hear from Brent Venables. We'll have a rapid reaction from there for sellout crowd. But this is your pre-Alamo Bowl Letterman jacket talking Sooners. And as such, you know, Garen, we were on our walk back here. And, and while there are so many storylines to this game um, that you could find, I think the ones where people's interests may end uh, or, or with Seth Luttrell and in turn Jackson Arnold making his first career start. And this was our first yep. chance to, to to hear from Seth Luttrell since the promotion. What were your initial impressions? I know you've been around him a bit more than I have in the past. Yeah, I mean, it's been a while. Um, the last time I talked to Luttrell was for a series I did on the 99 OU f- uh, football team, Bob Stoops' first team, the importance that that group played to lay a foundation for 2000 national champions. Latrell was part of 99, obviously part of 2000, and he, like a lot of players I contacted, was all too glad to talk about the good old days. And that leads to today's moment with us. It, it sort of felt, and I think this will make everyone back home in Oklahoma, at least of, a, of an OU bent, pretty happy. It sort of felt like the good old days again. Um, Latrell uh, talking about the importance of the school, the importance of the program, uh, the fact that he, uh, you know, mentioned his dad playing for Switzer, uh, what Jim Luttrell meant to the program back in the day, obviously mentioned, you know, referenced the Natty in 2000. And um, it just his, this means a lot. Uh, that play, being the offensive coordinator at Oklahoma should mean a lot to anybody who has the job. I'm not suggesting it didn't mean a lot to Jeff Levy while he had it, but this is a, this is a legacy. Okay. So you have the fact that he's going to, all things being perfect, lead the offense into a higher gear with Jackson Arnold as his quarterback, number one, but number two, and this makes the story potentially cooler, 
is what it's what it, uh, you know the impact it's going to make on him, not on the fans so much, not on us as we write about him, but on him. And that got across. And that's I think his first job, right? Is to let people know that not only is he proud to have the job because he should, but that uh, this goes through three or four layers deeper, uh, given his history. That to me was the big picture takeaway where we can get to mm-hmm. kind of what he had to say about the last month, about the offense we might see Thursday, Jackson Arnold, all that. But the big picture deal here, if you can get beyond the Alamo Bowl, is that Seth Luttrell is in a job that he said, you know, he's basically been trying to get for 20, uh, 23 years. I mean, he left right. Norman after winning a national title in one sense, you know, following in his father's footsteps. And he basically said, I had two dreams. One, uh, growing up in Muskogee, one was to follow my yeah. father's footsteps and win a national title at OU. He did that. And the next was to come back to OU someday and coach. And, you know, he charted his entire career path around former Stoops assistants, everyone from Mark Mangino and Mike Leach, and Mike Stoops, Kevin Wilson. Um but he, you know, until the last year when he was with the Sooners as an offensive analyst, um, had not quite gotten to check that one off the list. And now here he is, it's almost too perfect, right? Working for another former Stoops mm-hmm. assistant. Um, and he spoke really glowingly mm-hmm. about kind of the, the collective impact of that group, of, of this, mm-hmm. this staff uh, that obviously defined one era of Oklahoma football uh, and now is bleeding into another. And I think, you know, when you talk about what, what folks who are OU fans in, in Oklahoma and elsewhere might be thrilled to hear is just it does have that feeling of getting the band back together even when you travel um across the region you know i was in texas a bit last month earlier this month uh on recruiting stuff you know talking to high school coaches and coaches who were around when bob stoops and and his whole staff were were running the show in norman there's that feeling that the the band has gotten back together and that there are all those positive vibes and and set the trail today even referenced um, you know, something like 17 to 22. That was his count. Former players on this staff in different kind of roles. And we know that's important. And we know certainly to the culture that Brent Venables wants to instill, that's a big part of this. So he, he checked that box with, with some mm-hmm. gusto today. Uh, and then you talk about the more immediate. Um, there's, there's a game on Thursday. Uh, and, and this is going to be our first run looking at Seth Luttrell's offense. And, you know, he, he noted that not a lot's going to change. If, if change is going to come, you know, there's, I think there will be debate probably between now and, and next season's opener of how different this offense will look and how much they'll let on that it's going to look so much different, if, if it will at all. But I think Thursday against Arizona, you're not going to see a lot of changes. The scheme will be the same. Mm-hmm. The terminology will be the same. And I think that serves everybody when you consider who's playing quarterback, Jackson Arnold making his first start, down three starters on the offensive line. Um, they're going to keep things fairly simple or, or, or to the book? I would think, I mean, I, I've gotten to the point, Eli, where if it's not a playoff game, you ought to go out and have a little fun, you know, three or four trick plays minimum. Yeah. Uh, the run, you know, run the, uh, you know, run the guy you were tinkering with using in a wildcat or as a, you know, wing back or, or, you know, two way player, if you thought about doing it, but just didn't, couldn't find the right time. Well, when isn't the right time if it's not in a bowl game that doesn't carry a lot of weight. Oh, you Here's the thing. It's almost as if uh, the Sooners are playing with house money at this point, honestly. I mean, what's the difference between 10 and 11 wins? They've got 10. It already feels a lot better than a year ago when they got six. Um, Arizona is no, is no slouch. If, if, the, if the Wildcats play well and win, it, I don't, it's not, not going to set off any alarms unless Arnold goes like nine for 45, which he isn't going to do. Um, I think our we've recalibrated, I, and I think this goes for not just us as as observers, writers, 
and players and coaches in the programs. But I think I'd like to think this goes for all of our viewers and listeners. December is is, is sort of it's 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 sort of pivoted, right? I mean, it just doesn't. Again, if you're not playing either on New Year's Eve or New Year's Day in a in a college football playoff, you you aren't after you aren't after blood. You just aren't. Um, some some Alamo Bulls feel deeper and better than others. I'm not going to deny that Bob Stoops winning his last game as an OU coach two years ago wasn't a big deal. Of course it was. But that was an unbelievable circumstance that's never going to, I don't think, is ever going to happen again in Oklahoma. Even with Arnold and Luttrell in place, um, anything that happens to me Thursday night is is gravy. And so if the Sooners keep it simple and, and you know play a game that ends up something like 26-21, so be it. As long as, again, nothing crazy happens, whether Arnold has a bad game or Arnold gets hurt or, you know, Seth Luttrell has a panic attack and, and runs out of the press box in the, in the first quarter. Short of that, this is going to be fine. And um, getting back to what Luttrell said today, as opposed to what he's going to mean on the field or to the OU offense on the field Thursday night, what he said today is, is a story because it's, it's about reassurance at a time where fan base needs to be reassured with all of the roster movement, oral news and signing day news and all that stuff. Well, and I think too, it's worth making the distinction simple or straightforward to what they've been doing does not mean they're going to run power. eye for 60 minutes, but no, it just means that they, they were never right. But uh, he might enjoy that though. Former fullback. And I, I do want to return to where he might be running out of if he does have the panic attack you're talking about. But I think it's going to be, they were not going to overhaul the offense in whatever changes they're going to make whether oh. it's terminology or schematically, are going to get made right. from January to, to, to August and not in this month, where Seth Luttrell pointed out it's been pretty fast for him. He was, I think he was closing the season knowing he was ready to coach somewhere again as, as a coordinator and not knowing if that could be Oklahoma in 2024 or, or if he'd have to look elsewhere. And then suddenly you've got Jeff Levy's departure. He gets promoted and you are on the recruiting trail. You are evaluating the portal and you are preparing for a bowl game. So it has been a whirlwind month, but you mentioned that that in this hypothetical, in this hypothetical, where Seth Luttrell has this panic attack after the first quarter, is he running out of the press box? Is he running off the sidelines? Because uh, he was asked. I you spoke know, out you, of this is, Well, but this is a this is a, a, a question we all ask. Uh, how much any of it matters? That is up to interpretation. But we always ask these coordinators, these coaches, going to be in the booth, going to be on the sideline, and he just sort of winked and smiled and said, "We've got a plan." Joe, John, Finley, and I have a plan. <laughs> and so we are going to find out, I guess, where they are. Maybe Brent Venables will tell us. We can pry it out of him. Or that is going to be the big secret that, that gives Oklahoma the edge it needs in this, in this Alamo Bowl is, is concealing where sure. Seth Luttrell will call plays. Uh, I'll point this out. Historically, when he was a play caller, Seth Luttrell operated out of the press box. He, he's done both. But um, that might be an indication and, and perhaps would make sense. Uh, if you've got two co- co- coordinators, these co-coordinators, you can have Joe John on the sideline, um, perhaps, or maybe both of them up top. I don't know. They didn't tell us, so we, we uh, simply have no way of knowing. But that, you know, that was sort of the, the scoop today uh, in terms of, you know, hearing from Seth Luttrell, um, both big picture and, and this kind of dream job he talked about, but then the immediate and what we're going to see. And he, he spoke about uh, Jackson Arnold's growth over the last month, and and for as fast as everything mm-hmm. has gone. Uh, for this program, you, you got to think about how important 15 bowl practices and a start could be or will be for Jackson Arnold. Uh, and they're going to step into this together, making for both of them, quote unquote, as Seth Luttrell said, a first career start together. Um, and I, I think 
that is going to be where all the attention is come Thursday night. I mean, this defense uh, against a, a really fun quarterback at Arizona, Noah Fafita, will be an interesting challenge. And I do have a point on the defense I want to get to, but it begins and ends with Jackson Arnold and whether he goes nine to 45 or lights it up um, or somewhere in between, that's going to be where the focus is and what we're at least going to be not only drawing conclusions from, but figuring out the right conclusions to draw because this is just mm-hmm. a game in, in you know, late December against a, what is a, an Arizona team that's had a great year and wanting to finish strong. But I won't ask you how, you know, how do we, or what, what do we expect from Jackson Arnold, but what's, what will be the proper levels of evaluation? Because this game either way probably should not be taken with, um, you know, should be taken with a grain of salt or two, just because yeah. it is bowl season and it's 2023. Well, given the fact that he hasn't done this before, uh, for all of the talent that he has, and I'm as guilty as anyone for fanning those flames, you know, by having his high school coach on mind games a couple of weeks ago, and and people are just, oh, this is, you know, this is more proof. It's the second coming, basically, who's who's been disguised as a he's backup quarterback. <laughs> you know, he really wears a halo. He's gonna have, he's gonna, you know, the helmet's gonna shine when he takes the field Thursday night. Um, I don't, I don't know. I mean, again, just. It's because he hasn't done this before. Uh, just show that you're you're you can you're up to the moment, whatever that means. And I don't know what that means. I mean, it depends on who you ask. Again, among the audience members for us here, my friend, it's it's it ranges probably anywhere from you know complete more passes than you don't manage the game, right? You know the old cliche ranges from that end of the spectrum to well, if he doesn't go, you know, thirty first, first thirty three, then I'm you know what happened. Where you know he he was labeled as as this this wonder boy and and he's gonna he's actually gonna throw a couple of incompletions now and then it's not that the Sooner fan base has ever overreacted to a freshman quarterback in any game, let alone one not in December. Ever. No, no, no. At a, at a neutral side. So I mean, if you're asking me, I look like he needs to look like he belongs, and that's that's fine to me. He doesn't need to he doesn't need to throw for 300 yards. He doesn't need to throw three or four touchdown passes. He just needs to look like he can handle the position when he really settles into it this offseason and on into camp. Because that's that's really going to matter a lot more than anything he does or doesn't do on Thursday. Yeah, I think, you know, th- those first few possessions are going to be really interested by both in in what poise he has. I mean, we saw those first few possessions in Provo um, last month, a completely different scenario, stepping into that game at halftime for Dylan Gabriel leading uh, OU to its win over BYU. But there was some hesitation those first few series, both, I think, you know, Jackson Arnold himself admitted to some nerves and, and Jeff Levy at the time um, being careful about how they brought him along. This is an entirely different situation. He's not stepping in mid-game. He's had, you know, plenty of first-team reps now this month. But I, I think those will be really interesting just to see how they call it and, and how he looks. But beyond that, I, I side with you and I side with Seth Luttrell, who basically said, you know, in so many words, how will he manage the game? And if he can manage the game um, and look like a competent quarterback, like he belongs out there, I think that's all you can really hope for. And, mm-hmm. and banking on the fact that physical growth, uh, mental growth, comfort, all of those things are only going to come with time. You just have to look to Dylan Gabriel, who was far, far, far more established when he got to OU, had already played three seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, it took him time. You know, he admitted really into a second season to feel fully comfortable as the QB one at Oklahoma. Jackson Arnold has had this whole season to, uh, of the uh, 
to, to just settle in. But fact is, he's still, you know, what, 19 years old. He's not started a game, all that. We are going to get our first look, but I, I do think just how he manages and can he manage this game is where you, where, where that evaluation begins. You know, now, to pivot, go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, real quick, just real, real quick to pivot to the other members of the press contingent today. They brought mm-hmm. Derek Stoops, McCabe Matoir, Billy Bowman, and Ethan Downs. And to me, that that's a reminder. Obviously, the one that everyone's interested in, the player everyone's interested in, isn't there. It would have been more fun to ask Jackson Arnold questions about his first college start. But we got Downs, Bowman, Matoir, and Stoops instead. But you know what that told me, Eli, is that you know the Sooners came out okay in the wash when it comes to player move. I mean, I know that people are still upset about Caden Green, and I'm, I understand that that's going to be a problem for a while. I know that OU didn't get everyone, or hasn't gotten, let's put it this way, hasn't gotten everyone in the portal that the fan base wanted, maybe even the coaches wanted. But if what you're trying to do is not lose like Texas A&M did uh, ahead of their bowl game against Oklahoma State, half the two deep, right? There are, what I'm saying is there are guys in place that are going to help the, the kid along. And so if this becomes a game management situation, it's not just Seth Luttrell saying or Brent Venable saying, we just want him to manage his first college start. It's that he can get away with managing his first college start and this to come out okay because uh, Oklahoma has a, a semblance of, of, a, of a familiar looking 2D to take into this game. Well, it, that is, you know, for the panic, quote unquote, you could have about the offensive line. They're going to go in with three guys, four guys, really, who've started games on the offensive line, certainly. Uh, you're talking about mm-hmm. uh, McCabe Matoyer and Walter Rouse both sticking it out for this game. This is an important one to those guys. Uh, Logan Everett, who may well be uh, your center for 2024. He'll be there, Jacob Sexton. So they've got, you know, it, it's it's not the, the, the five guys you had all year, and it's it's not your first round, expected first round draft pick and Tyler Guyton. It's not Andrew Rain, but, you know, they've got that. Helps to go in with Drake Stoops, Jaleel Farouk, most of that receiving core. The running backs, uh, it's mm-hmm. a thinner room, but you've got health, We, at least as far as we know, in Gavin Sawchuk, Javante Barnes, I'm sure, you know, if, if that lingering foot injury has, has been lingering a month off, surely hasn't hurt. They are well set up around Jackson Arnold, even for what they've lost. And to your point, they've mm-hmm. lost, but they haven't lost like other programs have. This should be a, a, an offense that is set up to succeed. Um, and, you know, in a game mm-hmm. where the, the stakes are, are certainly different, this isn't a late November game with playoff implications. It's going to matter to both teams, but it's a different kind of game. I think they will have uh, the firepower on offense. And, and I think, you know, defense might be the next topic to jump to, but uh, this is still a complete OU team. They've lost just like everybody loses at this point um, in the modern college football calendar. Brent Venable said it. We're treating the last game uh, like it's the first game now. Um, and it's certainly gotten away. From, you're not really getting anybody's very best unless you're a playoff team um, this time of year. But but under those circumstances, OU is is well stocked. Yeah, I, I expect them. If they, yeah, they, and the the other key is is always motive. I mean, this was a case before December went nuts because of NIL decisions related to the portal, and then they, you know they stuck the second signing day in the middle of it on top of everything else. And oh, by the way, there's an overemphasis on the playoff on top of all of that, right? And so before that bleep storm, it was a matter of what's the motivation? I mean, it's a different, feels like a different season, right? You go from the end of November, basically, to the end of December 
it's about a you know, five weeks. If you're in a playoff situation, it's five weeks. So you're almost, it almost feels like a different season. So what, you know, what, how badly do you want to play this game? And I sort of buy, I sort of buy into the Sooners buy-in, if that makes any sense. I, I think that Venables endears himself for those who, who ride him out. I think the, you know, this Downs referenced it during the press conference uh, t- today. Um, there is, there's a lot at stake here besides beating Arizona. It, it should mean something. Venables makes it personal. He makes it more than about football. And, I'll, and although some people are going to roll their eyes over here and those things repeated over the course of a season, this is when they come into play because you, the challenge is real in December when it comes to motivating guys, um, some of whom may not even have made decisions, Eli. There's, it's possible, right, that we'll see guys at the Alamo Dome on Thursday that will then go on the portal after the fact. So certainly, just get them through this game. And, and, and I think if they're, on board, uh, if they're on board long enough to play Thursday night, then um, their motivation is, is going to be pretty clear, and that will also help OE's cause. Well, there's two other topics I want to hit before we close out. And it, it one pertains to this game, and one is projecting toward 2024, which feels like what we've done so much of just in the Jackson Arnold conversation. But as it pertains to this game, and you were sort of getting there, and I know you're going to write about it, but we both had conversations with McCade Matoyer, uh, and and you spoke with a couple of the other veterans, and that this game does mean something. Um, old games nowadays are not what they used to be by any stretch, but. For a guy like McCabe Matoyer, who is sticking it out, he's got nothing, uh, at least at the college level, beyond Thursday. Uh, this is it for him. He, he talked about how this is just his last, last month of school and finding some perspective to enjoy it a bit more, to have a bit more fun and, and still taking it seriously, but enjoying the time. Yeah. And also taking very seriously what, what he termed kind of going into 2024 with an exclamation point for the program. And I think... Mm-hmm. Um, guys like him, he's sort of an archetype under Brent Venables, um, came in as a mm-hmm. transfer for 2022, had expectations in 2022 of going and winning a title, winning a Big 12 title. They go six and seven. Uh, and, and I think a lot of those guys learned some really hard and valuable lessons in terms of the turnaround and what all of this has meant in 2023. And I think that encapsulates, and it's why this game matters if you're Drake Stoops or you are McCade Matoy mm-hmm. or Walter Rouse. There are a lot of guys for whom this game is going to be about the score line because we can sit here and talk about, well, it doesn't really matter what Jackson Arnold does. It's just how it looks. And and that really is the case for most of this team and from in, in the big picture, but there is meaning here for a lot of these guys, especially the veterans sticking around. Yeah. It feels like I say this every time I do a show with you, two things can be true, uh, even if they don't jibe. And here's another example of that. Obviously, the majority of attention is focused on two two figures in the program who will carry a lot of weight when OU plays in the SEC next fall. That's the quarterback and the coordinator. I mean, they're joined at the hip no matter what, who they are and where they are in this situation with, regarding the program. Well, it is really amplified when you've got two first-timers getting together and doing this together. Oh, by the way, in the SEC for the first time in program history. So I get it that 90% of this game is a setup for next fall, okay? At the same time, it doesn't discount someone like Drake Stoops, who um, all he's done is play six years in a, in a program where some wondered if he'd ever get off the bench, right? Um, worked himself into a, a pivotal role. And then he worked himself into a third down receiver. And all of a sudden he's working himself into all Big 12 contention. And oh, by the way, he goes out as um, 
the Big 12 leader in touchdown receptions. What is he top three in both receptions and yards? Actually uh, playing himself at least into a potential NFL roster, if not, if not if not a draft pick, some kind of a training camp situation. That's a really great story. And um, besides the fact that he carries the last name that he does, well, this is it for him. This is it for the Stoops. I mean, if you want to get too deep, if you if you don't want to get extra deep, Eli, this is it for the Stoops dynasty. Yeah, this is closing it out. I mean, what, this is the last after? time. 20, 25 years of the Stoops family imprint on the program in some way, shape, or this, form. It ends here. That, uh, I mean, direct imprint. Direct imprint. That that has to that has that in itself should matter enough for there to be motivation to not make everything about twenty twenty four. But it's not just mm-hmm. Stoops. You mentioned Matoyer. Um, the, even the guys who are coming back next year, Downs and, and Bowman. I spoke to both of them about it. It's a big deal to them. They've invested three years into this, pro- into this program. Downs, uh, I think, used the term chaos and confusion. Over three years, which is accurate, they've been through a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, they might, they might feel different. If I say there's no difference between ten wins and eleven wins, well, I'm not asking them. They, they probably think there's a, a heck of a difference between. I think those so. Numbers, I think given so. the chaos, given the chaos and confusion. Well, here's something interesting. You talk about those two defenders you spoke with. They are two of the last four members of the class of 2021 that is still within the program, which is really hard to believe. But telling mm-hmm. of this moment in college football, telling of the chaos and confusion of the last few years. I mean, obviously, a coaching change in there will take a big hit. Um, but those two guys are two of the key returners for next year, two of the last four in that class. And this is where when we project to 2024, talk enough about Jackson Arnold. But to me, this defense that is going to have a moment potentially in this bowl game, that this could be that launching point because this is a defense that at one point earlier this month, we were considering the fact that they could be losing Billy Bowman, Danny Stutzman. We, we still don't know yet on Woody Washington, but think about the veteran core they're bringing back next year. Uh, we're too early to project against SEC defenses, but this is a defense that would have gone from, wow, we need to replace a lot, to we're going to come back experienced, stronger with guys in their third year with Brent Venables. He's spoken so much about the importance there. There are parallels between. Uh, already that what has transpired in terms of who they're bringing back to Brent Venables is third defense at Clemson in 2014, which is really when they took off a lot of familiar names, Grady Jarrett, Vic Beasley. This may not have as much 20 uh, NFL talent in the kind of group we're talking about here at Oklahoma this year. But I, I do think this is a game that as much as it's about Jackson Arnold, there could be some real meaning headed to 2024 for mm-hmm. a defense that's going to be experienced and we know uh, has plenty of talent. Yeah. Well, and we don't know a lot about Arizona because we're not conditioned any longer to, to study, even as even as journalists. Right. We're, we, mm-hmm. we just don't have the bandwidth to die to dig into the opponent. If every day you're devouring news for the team that you're covering, December is changed for us as we cover the sport. And so I we I can't give you any kind of a breakdown on what the Wildcats can do schematically what they want to try to get done Thursday night against Oklahoma, what the, how the matchups might fare them, because I just don't, I don't have a clue, and I'm not going to BS anybody. I know this much, and I watched enough Pac-12 after dark to realize that if they get hot, they could be a problem for OU's defense. I know that much. And so if uh, it, it, it is a world in which 
Thursday night reveals a lot more. As much as we made this about Arnold and Latrell and the offense moving forward, this yeah, there's a world in which whatever happens Thursday night will reveal a lot more and, and give you more of a signal about the defense heading into next season than the offense for all of the change on the offensive side of the ball. Certainly. I think if you're Brent Venables, your wish list on defense would include these two things. Uh, a, a performance that gives you that bounce into 2024 against, uh, like you said, a, a, an Arizona offense that when it's gotten hot has been hot. No Fafita, uh, you know, I think a lot of people learned his name watching what he did to Lincoln Riley and the Trojans in October, same night as OU Texas, feels like ages ago. Uh, but the second one, the, the post-bowl gift he could get would be Woody Washington. Um, coming back because that that begins to really give you that core of experience um, going into 2024 that will pay off as you jump into the SEC almost as, as a security blanket. Um, but if we are sitting here perhaps in 12 months time talking about an Oklahoma team uh, that is in the playoff and it has, has only improved again in year three, I think it's going to start with that defense and, and they've kind of got their first shot to show us a bit of what that 2024 defense could look like Thursday night. Garen, we, we're, we're going to get out of here because we got to go eat dinner, get some food in our bellies, get some other stuff in our bellies, get ready for more work in San Antonio. But before we get out, do you got time for a game of Garen or Garen out? A little impromptu? Oh, a San Antonio version. I'd better hear – I need to hear the names. Davy Crockett. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Manu Ginobili. George Iceman let him Durbin, know I was better coming. be part of this. Mm. I, I did, when I was on the plane today and I had to let everyone know I was on my way, I did at Manu Ginobili, let him know I was on my way to San Antonio. He didn't get back to me. Just an appreciator of, of left-handed guards, man. I would have talked his ear <laughs> off about left-handed guards. Um, maybe I'll run into him. We'll see about that. That was after two failed attempts. Tim Duncan and Greg Popovich, not on Twitter. I tried. Not shocking there either. Uh, all right. Uh, well, speak. We're, we're in San Antonio. Uh, I know you've made multiple visits, and this, this could be risky territory. Uh, we'll start here. You gear in or gear out on the Alamo? See, if I say what, what is on my mind, I'm, I'm going to get struck down. Mm. Um. I'm in San Antonio, so I'm going to say Garen. Not going to forget that one. Come on, do we like that? That was a good deal. You can't don't forget the Alamo joke. <laughs> yeah, that's the smile I wanted. <laughs> yeah. And you worked on your you worked on your A material when you went home to New York. It sounds like. Oh, I did. I did. I was bouncing around all the comedy clubs just waiting to come back on the jacket. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, but, you know, it was just Christmas, if, if you didn't know, Garen. Um, and so I'm curious, candy canes, Garen or Gare out? Garen to look at, Gare out to eat. Mm. Fair. Uh, home Alone, Garen or Gare out? Gare out. Never liked it. Even, oh. even when the Macaulay Culkin was even when Macaulay Culkin was as popular as uh, Michael Jackson, I, I just did not do it for me. Never has. Wow. My the hot take I developed over this Christmas might not be that hot. Um, both they're all great. You're wrong on Home Alone, but Home Alone two compared to Home Alone one. Home, one's obviously the the classic. 
Home Alone 2, in terms of plot points and scenery, obviously in New York City, maybe I got some biases, kicks butt. It is far superior to Home Alone 1. Um, so maybe, actually, we're going to skip dinner. We're just going to sit here and watch the Home Alone films tonight. No, we're not. Um, we're not going to do that. And, yeah, we're no, no, no. We do can do that. And then we'll book our trip to the Alamo in the morning. Um, Ted Roof, Sooner's defensive coordinator, suave guy, always well-dressed. I'm, I can appreciate that. Had on some red-framed glasses at today's presser. Mm-hmm. Gear in or gear out on those? And could you pull them off? Uh, no, I couldn't. And he actually did reasonably well. I would, here's I what I will so. say for our Tulsa listeners. Yeah, and I'll say this for our Tulsa listeners, of which we have many. He pulls off red glasses, eyeglasses, better than G.T. Bynum does. Hmm. Should he run for mayor, Ted Roof? Uh, he could win a few counties if the Sooners shut down Noah Fafita Thursday night, but there we might go. be contingent on that happening. Um, you mentioned before 45 passes for Jackson Arnold and some hypothetical. You gear in or gear out, not on 45, but 30 passes over under oh, over 30 passes, gear in or gear mm-hmm. out. I actually am gear in on. That sounds like the right number, but if you're asking one way or the other, I, I'll gear in the over. Yeah. All right. Too late. Typing. You got breaking news? No, 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 no. I just had to check my, my make sure my numbers were good. Uh, Arizona is a two and a half point favorite in this game. Do you like gear in or gear out on Arizona to cover this thing? I didn't even see. Here's the thing, Eli. I mean, I, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna disrespect our our uh, audience by lying to them. I had no idea that Arizona was favored. They're really favored in this game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a byproduct. If you want, to, if you're thinking in Vegas terms, probably of Dylan Gabriel not being here, the offensive line being a bit depleted. Yeah. No, I'm actually gear out on that. I, I think, I think the Sooners should be the two to three point favorite. Not that that matters. Hmm. All right, last one. Taking a midnight dip in uh, in the river along the river walk. You gear in or gear out? Only if you go in first. Where you go, I will follow. You know that. Well, that's a deal. And with that, we're gonna head to dinner so we can get back to work and provide all of our coverage from here in San Antonio because we're gonna have lots of it. It's Garen and I right now. Barry Trammell, Jenny Carlson, they're going to join us after Oklahoma State finishes out in the Texas Bowl. So you can count on plenty more from Sellout Crowd. We'll have plenty from San Antonio, plenty from the Alamo Bowl Thursday night. And as always, you can find our stuff at on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you get us. Uh, we can be found, and we'll have plenty more coverage at selloutcrowd.com.